There are so many things I am nervous to do, but I'm trying to do them anyway. Fear is one of the main um, yeah. blockers yep. to stepping out of your norm yep. or stepping into something that might be uncomfortable. And what I have learned that is if you step into something that's uncomfortable when it involves humans <laughs> or helping people, um, so much like life-fulfilling goodness can come from that. Mm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter 31 of the Let's Give a Damn podcast. My name is Nick LaPara. I'm your host and your friend. I love that you're here. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been an incredible week. I'm spending the week in Nashville. Last weekend, TEDx Talk in Chicago. This week, an entire nine days in Nashville. Tons of meetings, tons of friends, so many amazing things. This morning, I spoke at Creative Mornings Nashville on the topic of compassion, 225 people in attendance. It was so fun. The energy was super intense. I loved it. This evening, September 29th is what we're talking about. This evening, live podcast recording with Barrett Ward. You'll get to hear that in a few weeks. In about 20 minutes, I'm recording a podcast conversation with Miles Adcox from OnSite and that you'll be able to hear also in a few weeks. And today, the conversation you're about to hear is with my friend, Beth Matthews. Now, Beth is an extraordinary soul. She is a fantastic graphic and web designer, very creative mind, but she loves people so, so very much. And that comes through in her work and in the projects she has chosen to engage and give a damn about. So you're gonna hear about some of these projects, the mom bag, immigrant-run eateries, and so many different things. I love her passion, I love the intensity. She's a quiet person, but there's so much passion beneath that quiet voice, and she works that out through her art and through these different projects that she has uh, taken on. So I'm excited for you to hear it. I'm excited for the next few podcasts to come. Without further ado, Here's my conversation with Beth Matthews on the Let's Give a Damn podcast. Let's go. Okay, I am in the studio with actually in a real studio. I usually record in a closet or in a car or in some sort of other room because I travel a lot. I'm in a real studio <laughs> with Beth Matthews, how are you, Beth? I'm doing well. Yeah. How are Thank you? you for I'm well. Thank you for being here. I'm very excited about our conversation. Me too. Yeah. Good. So you live in Nashville, Tennessee, mm-hmm. where we are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me what you do before we get into your the humble beginnings and <laughs> the kinds of things that made you who you are today. Let's begin with what do you do today? My daytime job is I am a web designer and I work for HP Hewlett Packard doing web design for them um, 40 hours a week. And I'm also a collector of hobbies. It's kind of a... (laughs) What kinds of hobbies? (laughs) Oh, boy. Tell me about your Twitter bio. (laughs) Well, I think my Twitter bio says that I once won 15,000 honeybees in a raffle. Is that true? It's true. Tell us about that. um, I've never won a honeybee or really thought about a honeybee other than (laughs) eating honey. Well, I really wanted to learn about beekeeping, so I went to this beekeeping class, um, which was kind of funny. 
all in itself. And there was a raffle, so I put my name in, not really knowing what the prize was. And at the <laughs> end of the um, the talk, I hear this sweet old man get up on the uh, microphone and say, uh, Beth Matthews, you've won 15,000 honeybees. And so that was the day I became a beekeeper. What did you do? Like, <laughs> how do they give you 15,000 honeybees? Well, I thought I was going to have to, like, load them up in the right. back of my truck. I don't have a truck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was able to pick them up later at a later date once I was a little more prepared. So do you still have those bees today? Do you still beekeep? I do not. Okay. I stopped in the spring because they um, they kept dying, unfortunately. Oh. I don't know if it was me or if it's... You know the world. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not done with beekeeping, but for now, I was just I'm going to give it a break. Yeah, that makes sense. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty intense. I love bees. Yeah, they're amazing. Did you get honey from them? I don't know how it works. Did you yeah. get like honey from them? Yeah, we got a lot of honey, and we sold it and gave it away. And um, one of the coolest yeah. things about bees is they learn to recognize your face and your voice, and so you could go out to your beehives if you're a beekeeper, and they they know you and they. Most of the time, don't sting you, and they're just incredible creatures. Web designer and beekeeper <laughs> Beth Matthews is here with us today. Okay, that's a great fun fact. Thank you for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. So, web designer for Hewlett Packard, but you also do your own stuff, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Oh, thanks. I was looking at your website again last night, just like prepping for this. It's good stuff. Oh, thanks. Like, really? Thanks. How much of that do you get to do? Well, everything on my website is non-client based. Okay. So it's all everything that I like dream work or just things that make me excited about life. So I'll design like fake stationery or fake packaging for something, just something that um, makes me feel like I can be creative and do really whatever I want. Yeah. Well, it's you're doing a hell of a job oh, at creating stuff that... that it's not, just it's, fake. I love yeah. it. I love it. Okay. Let's get into your story. Mm-hmm. So I like to ask this question at the beginning um, or in other places, but usually once an interview, to, to really help me and us get a sense for what are the things that made you who you are today. <laughs> the, we're going to talk about some of the ways that you give a damn. So what kinds of factors played into you becoming that? So go back as far as you want to. Mm-hmm. Talk talk people, family, situations, um, opportunities, just whatever you want and, and get us just short of uh, some of the damn giving things that we're going to talk about. But, um, yeah, share some of that story with us. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested. Thanks. I'll share one story, which is kind of ridiculous. Okay. But the other day I was thinking about just kind of, also kind of when did this, like, protester or <laughs> humanitarian start yeah. coming out of me. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about how in junior high I created my first petition, and it was after I had seen the movie Clueless. Mm. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and I really wanted all the— I really wanted our school to wear school uniforms because they had them in Clueless. And so I started a petition, and that was kind of my first, like, (laughs) entry into, I don't know what you call it. Yeah. Just giving a damn. Giving a damn about school uniforms. It's so silly. I wanted to look like Alicia Silverstone. So that one didn't have as much impact on the world as other things that you've done. But But maybe it just helped you, like, oh, I can step out and actually, like, petition for this and make a difference in this thing. Yeah. But one of the more meaningful things that actually happened in my life, same time frame, I was involved in a church youth group, and my friend's mom, who's also our the leader of the group, took us around town. We each brought, like, our change jar that we had in our houses. 
And we would go to laundromats, and we would just offer to pay for people's laundry. Hmm. And we went to Walmart, and we asked the cashiers, what's your favorite candy bar? And we would buy that. And I just remember feeling it made that person happy. It made myself happy, and it just kind of, like, started from there. And you said that was your mom? My friend's mom. Your friend's mom. Yeah. But also, my mom... She also started this um, thing at our church around the same time called service ministry where, you know, if a domestic abuse nonprofit needed, like, hmm. clothes or, I don't know, anything. Yeah, she any would, items. Any yeah. items. She would collect items, and there was a whole group of people, and that was always really inspiring to me to, like, I guess, live out your faith through action. Yeah. Um, I don't go to church anymore, but I still, like, adhere to that. Yeah. Sort of mindset. Where did you grow up, and what what does your family look like? Your family makeup. Oh, it's a tricky, <laughs> it's okay. a tricky question. It's a good question. I grew up in Illinois. Okay. And um, my dad was a farmer, and my mom's a teacher. They're no longer married, but I also have two sisters. Who's also one's also a teacher, and one's an occupational therapist. Yeah, they're all wonderful people. So three sisters in total. Two sisters. Two sisters. Mm-hmm. Besides you. Yeah. Also three total. So where in Illinois, you said farmer. Mm-hmm. I just drove from Chicago to here last <laughs> weekend after the TEDx talk. It's a long state. There's a lot of, there are a lot of farms and yeah. it's beautiful. I actually really enjoy, I don't usually enjoy driving through those mm-hmm. states where there's just nothing for forever. I'm a city boy through and through. But I really enjoyed it this trip. Just It just felt very peaceful and there were the windmills and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just felt very good. So was yeah. it, was that sort of the environment, like out in the middle of kind of nowhere? Well, partly. My dad and his side of the family live in central Illinois where it's very flat, all corn and soybeans. Okay. And that's where I was born and lived there until I was eight. And then my parents got divorced. And then we, my mom and I moved to southern Illinois, which looks very much like Tennessee. Um, very – lots of hiking, lots of nature-oriented hmm. community. Um, it's beautiful. So, got it. Yeah. Got it. So you're graphic designer or web designer, I guess, by day, but you do mm-hmm. graphic design mm-hmm. as well. But you have chosen in a few different ways that I would like to highlight today. You have chosen to give a damn mm-hmm. about some really important issues, right? Uh, you and I have known each other for a year or so, hung out a couple times, but I've been able to observe from the sidelines the ways that you – continue to serve people, love people, and help people. And that's what I want to... We have some people on the show that it's their full-time thing, mm-hmm. right? They, they've started this company or this organization or like this Friday, I'm uh, having a conversation with Barrett Ward from mm-hmm. Fashionable, yeah. right? That's his full-time it's thing. Awesome. Or Miles Adcox in a couple days, that's his on-site's his full-time thing. Well, with you, that's not your full-time thing, but you're on top of, you know, making money to live, and you Mm -hmm. have chosen to, on top of that, engage in a few different really important activities. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's talk about two that really stick out to me that I think are very helpful. Let's start with the mom bag, Mm -hmm. because that was my first introduction to the work that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Talk about what the mom bag is, how it started, who it's impacting. (laughs) Yeah, what's the scope of the impact so far? Yeah. So about a year ago, or last June, I met a Syrian woman who was a refugee that came here with her family. Um, She's my age. She's incredible. And a lot of, when she first came, a lot of things we would do are like cultural orientation type things, like go to the grocery store, do errands to kind of 
teach her how to do that in yeah. our society. And we were at Kroger, and she was looking at all the lotions and soap and um, just kind of being really excited about smelling them all. And that's something that my friends and I would do as well. And she told me that she hadn't been able to buy any of these things for four years mm. since um, her house was bombed and she had to flee wow. Syria. So we, we bought all these self-care items, and that night she told me, she sent me a message saying that she was just so happy, and um, she felt like herself again. Hmm. So that night I, I told my husband I'd, I had just wished that every immigrant or every refugee woman that came to Nashville, I wished I could give them a bag full of self-care items. And I know that, like, shampoo doesn't save the world, but it makes people feel nice. Yeah. <laughs> And welcomed, totally. maybe. So that night, I I had this pineapple design, which means welcome in the South. And I put it on a tote bag, photoshopped it on a, photo, on a tote bag, made an Amazon wish list, and I just put it out onto the, the web. The World Wide Web. <laughs> the World Wide Web. And asked people if they would um, like to contribute to these bags that I wanted to make for women in Nashville. And it just, like, exploded. Mm. I think I had like a thousand donations by the end of the week. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it was amazing, and um, it spread to like five other cities of other people doing these mom bag packing parties, and um, we've done three so far in Nashville over the past year, and it's just kind of it's been incredible. The resettlement agencies have um, distributed them to the women, and they get so excited to have these these bags, and I mean. Any woman would, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's it's not in my mind as I'm an onlooker on this project. It's not so much what you're giving them; it's the gesture and the heart behind it, right? Like, yeah, it's great. Whatever you put in there, whether it's you know shampoos or food or chocolate or whatever, mm-hmm. it's the act of you're new here. Yeah, you don't know what the hell is going on. Right. And I'm going to care for you. Like I'm here for you. That's the gesture that they're receiving mm-hmm. when they get this bag full of stuff. Yeah. Right? And we do custom or we write letters in each bag to say welcome or um, some people put their contact information in and it's hopefully making them feel a little bit more welcome in a place that might be scary. So how many bags have been made and distributed and what are those other cities, just in case someone's listening yeah. that might be in those cities that's like, oh, I want to get involved in that later, including Nashville. Mm-hmm. What, how many bags? How many people have been affected by this in what other cities? I think we've done over 300 and something bags in Nashville. But And we also did a Mother's Day drive where yeah. we collected, I think, oh, it's like thousands of diapers and car seats. And I can't remember exactly, but I actually need to get the stats on the other cities. Yeah. I think they each did over 100 bags. That's amazing. Yeah. What cities were they? Do, do you um, know? St. Paul. Char- Minnesota. Minnesota. Nice. Charleston, Louisville. There's one going to be happening in New York. Cool. Is this <laughs> something that you would like to see expand more and more? Oh, yeah. Because you don't have to do anything, right? Like you've kind of built a you've, – you've cast a vision. Yeah. And you've built like an infrastructure where it's not something that you have to even run or necessarily oversee, right? Right. Like you've built a, a framework and now mm-hmm. they can go and – yeah, on my website, I have, I think it's like a five-step process of how to do it. And they can order the official pineapple mom bag if they want to, but it's totally not necessary. And it's um, it's pretty easy to do. And I, I would love for it, for every city to have it. 
Do you have any specific stories from refugee ladies that have been affected by this? Or what's the general, maybe not a specific name or a story, but like what have you seen happen as they've received these bags? Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't been at a lot of the distributing times because yeah. the social workers do sure. that. Oh, that um, makes sense because you guys, the, the, yeah, they kind of take them to give them out, right? Yeah. Just a simple story. I had been teaching English to some women from Afghanistan, and I brought them four bags, the four women, and we went through each each item and talked about how to say it in English and how to say it in their language, and they were just, like, thrilled. And a lot of things have the same name mm. in both of our languages, so that was kind of cool to, like, discover that I'm just always learning that we're more the same than we are different. Yeah. <laughs> in <absolutely>. everything. <laughs> absolutely. Even down to makeup. It's pretty amazing. You just said that you were teaching Afghan women mm-hmm. English. Mm-hmm. What's that all about? Is that something you do on a regular basis or where is that who is that with? Yeah. Um I'm not doing it currently. Okay. My volunteer time is up with them, but yeah. it was through ESL to go, which okay. is just the coolest organization. They are a mobile truck that they've a big like semi truck that they've turned into a classroom, hmm. and they drive it directly into um, neighborhoods and apartment complexes where refugees live, and so they can have free English classes. It's incredible because one of the biggest like prohibitors of people learning English is they don't have transportation, right? Or it costs money. Yeah. So it was through them. Um, I didn't work on the truck, but I I went to these women's home uh, once a week and taught English for I think. Eight months. That's amazing. They're yeah, they're amazing <laughs> women. That's a really cool project. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. ESL more. to go. Yeah, and then immigrant-run eateries. Mm-hmm. This is like a simple. This one I really liked because hey. a, I like really good food. Yeah. Uh, B, I like non-American food. I've spent 14 years living outside the U.S. Mm-hmm. I have a. If I never ate American, which yeah. is which is a funny term to use because America is a is a built on so many different cultures and so it's but you know what I'm saying like yeah. classic American food like if I never ate a burger or fries ever again I'd be totally fine totally. Like I love ethnic food and so yeah immigrant run eateries tell mm-hmm. me about that well that came out in January uh, when the first uh, refugee ban was put out there into the world <laughs> mm. and it came out of almost a moment of panic for me yeah. Because I was honestly I was just so upset about this refugee ban and so upset about what this means for um immigrants in the United States and how they feel and if they feel welcome or scared. Um so I was thinking like what's what's a way that what's an easy way that anybody could support an immigrant at this time? And so I just put together this list of restaurants in Nashville that are run by immigrants. And um, made a little logo for it, of course. <laughs> yep. And um, put it on a PDF, and then I just posted it to the world, and um, it really took off. And now it's a simple website, and the goal of it is to expand it into other cities so um, people can support their immigrants one bite at a time. Yeah. <laughs> Have you built the infrastructure so that it can grow? Like, can people... S- make their own version of it, or do you want to control how it looks so that it kind of has a, you know, they can yeah. click on a, is that is that how it's going to kind of grow? I think so. It, it would all just fall under the immigrantrunneateries.com yeah. look yeah. and feel. Um, I did make a, a list for Columbus because I have a friend that lives there, and 
So I made a PDF for her, and she was able to spread it to her friends. And then I had a guy from Little Rock the other day reach out to me and want to do it as well. Um, and it, it's just something where I was able to channel, like, my my worry and my care for these people and use, like, a skill that I knew that I had and was able to um, just put something out there. I think that's a huge point that we can all learn from because the day we live in, and mm-hmm. I'm, I raise both my hands as being super guilty. If you look at my Twitter feed over the last <laughs> even 48 hours oh. um, with this whole, you know, kneeling protest thing yeah. and our tweeter in chief going, <laughs> going off, um, yeah, you know, at, at this point, I think 23 tweets about the NFL and zero about Puerto Rico. Well, one yeah. now about Puerto Rico, but it's actually talking them down because of their lack of infrastructure and money. But anyway, so right. it wasn't even a helpful one. But it's so easy mm-hmm. for us to type away on our phones or yeah. our keyboards and tweet and just whine and moan. And some of that is fine, right? Yeah. Like I think we need to get on there and there needs to be a place where we can hopefully in a mature way but express yeah. what we're thinking. That, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's a platform for it. But right. my point is you – channeled that frustration probably some online too Mm -hmm. but then you said what can I do right and I think that is a very missing component for so many people Mm. somebody actually who was it that tweeted the other day about this whole um, you know national anthem outrage he was making fun of the people that were outraged by it and he said you know he in quotes he said people you know should stand for the national anthem and he said a bunch of people that are sitting on their couch, laying on their couch watching the football game are saying this, right? Like they're laying on their couch, right? So that is kind of what we do, right? Mm-hmm. It's easy to just yell yeah. and hoorah while we're laying on the couch in a right. sense, right? Not doing anything. And you've decided that this is the whole reason why I wanted to have you on is you've decided to see a problem. And one of the ways that you fix it is by becoming part of the solution, not just part of the noise. So whether it's the mom bag or this ESL to go, or now we've got immigrant-run eateries. You know, we've got refugee bans and travel bans, right, which are mostly ridiculous, and especially the way they're being implemented or trying to implement them. And you said, well, I'm going to start a website. (laughs) I'm going to use what I'm good at Mm -hmm. to champion the countless ways that these immigrants and refugees are making us better, right? And you did this thing. So yay for that, right? Like that's (laughs) awesome. We've talked about three projects that you've been involved in. Mm-hmm. Why do you do it? I always want to get to the why, the what's important, the how is even important. But the why is the most important thing because it, it speaks to speaks to our integrity. It speaks to what's going on inside of us that's m- causing us to do that, which could have ill intentions and it could have really great intentions. And I know that your intentions are great. Mm-hmm. So talk through like what's going on inside of you. How did all this happen and how did you actively choose to not just bitch and moan online <laughs> and instead channel it through, like, just doing good in the world. Mm, thanks. I think I have put myself in a position in the world where I have met a lot of people that um, are different than me. There you go. Equal as me. And also um, are kind of at the – are used as a punching bag for a lot of people. Yeah. Especially immigrants and refugees. And it um, – it just breaks my heart, honestly. Yeah. Because I know these people, and I know their hearts are so good. I feel like I could cry just thinking about if them. If you need to, go. <laughs> Thanks. Their hearts are so good, and all they want is to um, contribute to America and make it 
their home and make it better. And I feel a responsibility to those people to use whatever gifts I have or talents or connections I have to um, support them and make and be an advocate for them and say, like, these people are like you. These wonderful people have dreams and kids and like to go to the movie, you know, the same, <laughs> honestly. And I feel just very compelled to say that from a mountaintop however I can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're using your mountaintop. Yeah. Which is your web design and graphic design and your skills. I think that's really important. Um, they are many people's punching bags, right? Because they can't defend themselves. You know, if we have a superiority complex, if we think that we're better than others, we pick, you know, we pick people that can't voice their mm-hmm. opinions very well. Yeah. Right? And these people can't. Like, they don't have most of the same rights we do. Right, they're scared. When, when the whole, you know, a couple weeks ago with the Dreamers, right? Mm-hmm. Here are, you know, if you spent any time on Twitter with people that were for getting rid of them and for, for them getting out of our country, these 800,000 very bright, intelligent, hardworking young people, they would say things like, they're taking our money, we're paying for them to go to college, all this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Which was all untrue. Mm -hmm. They can't get our money. Like by law and by definition, they don't have access to the welfare that you're probably on, (laughs) right? Like a lot of them, right? Mm -hmm. Not all of them, but many of them sitting on their couch on welfare, on food stamps are typing about like they can't take our money they can't take our stuff and mm-hmm. so it's easy for and, but they don't have that voice to be able to to say no i don't i yeah. can't have those things right. because a they're busy working and mm-hmm. busy building a life for themselves and b they just don't have that platform right right and so i think it's very important the work that you're doing i really do okay. i think it's it's I think huge. what you're doing is so important thanks you're elevating people to have a voice and it's amazing I want to take a quick break to talk about a few amazing people that sponsor this podcast with monthly financial contributions. Want to know who I'm talking about? It's you. Seriously, many of you support the work we are doing on this podcast by contributing monthly on a platform called Patreon. Some give a dollar a month, some give five, some give 10, and some even give $25 a month. And what is so surprising to me is that the largest chunk of people giving give at the $25 level. I'm not even joking. So if you love these stories, consider helping us. No pressure, really. I will always find a way to produce these podcasts, to pay the people involved in making these podcasts because I want you to hear them. But if you have a few extra dollars every month and want to help us make more of these, we will not say no. Visit patreon.com forward slash let's give a damn for more info. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash let's give a damn for more info. I used a quote in my TEDx talk this past week, which it's going to be very front of mind and heart and soul for me for a long, long time. Harold Kushner, our souls are not hungry for fame, comfort, wealth, or power. Our souls are hungry for meaning, mm-hmm. for the sense that we have figured out how to live so that our lives matter. Society and consumerism, everything's telling us that we want certain things, right? Mm-hmm. We want big houses and exotic cars and lots of vacations and all this stuff. Consumerism is built on making you think that you want those things. Right. 
And I honestly, I'm building my career and life and the show and other projects that I'm doing on the knowing that that's not true. Yeah. Nobody thinks I'm doing a lot of thinking about legacy and speaking about legacy lately, and I want that mm-hmm. to keep on going, you know, keep going on, because I, nobody remembers in a positive way the guy who had all the cars and all the houses yeah. and spent money on himself. Nobody remembers that guy. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about him after he dies. The people that we think about and quote and read about and cry over and think about with the fondest of memories and are the people that figured out how to live so that life matters, mm. right? Right. And so um, that's why I love what you're doing because you're using um, – nobody's paying you to do this stuff. Nobody's <laughs> telling you to do it. Nobody's saying you have to go teach Afghan women English or that you have to create the MomBab Project or <laughs> that you have to create a website. Like that's all stuff you could be – you could be chilling. You could be <laughs> binge-watching, you know – well, lots of shows. You could be doing so many things during that time, and you're saying, no, these people are valuable. They have value. They have so much value. They have so much to offer this country of ours, which was built on diversity and immigrants and refugees and so on and so forth. So I'm going to take what I know to be true and translate it into immigrant run eateries yeah. com <laughs> or, you know, mombag, whatever it is, dot com. I don't know. But. Thank you. Yeah. There, there are so many people doing so many wonderful things in the world and it's there's a lot of them and they get drowned out yeah no they do <laughs> and they're so inspiring to me and just, yeah we need to keep championing them yeah and you're doing that the let's give a damn family those listening to this podcast um and i know this to be true because i hear them all the time tell me they want to if they don't give dams yet they want to give a damn yeah and if they already do they want to give more like they want to you know from that quote like they want to live so that their lives matter right Based on what you've learned, the mm-hmm. things that you've learned, the things you've experienced, things that you've seen, do you have any advice for them? Things they can practically do. So you're coming at it from – actually, what I love about this story is you're like most people that are listening. Mm-hmm. They have a nine to five. Mm-hmm. They have all these things going on in their lives and they want to figure out how to go above and beyond. Yeah. Right? Take out some things out of their life so that they have room for this. Right. You've experienced it. You're doing it. So what what advice, what can you share with them that would help them mm-hmm. stop making excuses mm-hmm. and get going today? Well, I think there's a lot of practical ways, but I'll first start by saying I'm scared of everything. Mm. <laughs> everything. Mm. And I have been my whole life. And a few years ago, I was in Texas, driving to San Antonio in the middle of the night after a friend's wedding. And I was terrified. I was by myself. I was on these back Texas roads, dark, and I was just scared. I was by myself, a woman. And I I had a thought where I just said to myself, like, I am nervous, but I'm going to do this. Mm. And I have lived by that quote since then. Mm. There are so many things I am nervous to do, but I'm trying to do them anyway. Fear is one of the main um, yeah. blockers yep. to stepping out of your norm yep. or stepping into something that might be uncomfortable. And what I have learned that is if you step into something that's uncomfortable when it involves humans <laughs> or helping people, um, so much like life-fulfilling goodness can come from that. Mm. So that, that would be the first step I would say is maybe you're scared like me. And maybe you can tell yourself, like, yeah, I'm scared, but I'm going to do this anyway. Mm. And it might start with something simple like you're at the grocery store and you tell someone you like their 
hair. <laughs> I don't know. You might sound crazy, but you just said something really nice to someone. Yeah. Um, or it might be even just like getting to know your actual physical neighbors. I love my neighbors. They're they're wacky as hell. Yeah. <laughs> and like I was scared to get to know them, but I love them so much. Um, so I, I think that's just a start. And two, I think each person has each person has a gift, many gifts. And I think like targeting what your gift is or what you like to do and what makes you tick and targeting that into and channeling that into something that upsets you or, you know, inspires you. Um, there's a lot on the news these days. There's something for everybody <laughs> to yes. get riled up about, honestly. Um, so I would, I would just guess, think like, I don't know, maybe you're good at like spreadsheets. Go volunteer at a nonprofit that needs help organizing. Or maybe you um, enjoy cooking. Go work for a homeless shelter and cook a meal once a week. Very so, practical. Yeah. <laughs> very, very, very simple. And that you mentioned a few key things. It is very simple. We listen to these voices in our head, right? Mm-hmm. That make it sound so scary and unattainable and far fetched to help people. And it's not. Yeah. It literally begins with saying hi to somebody that you've never said hi to before. Yeah. It does. And it might be that neighbor that you probably should have said hi to a year ago. Right. But you didn't. And every day it got harder and harder. They're not going to bite your head off. They're another human with real needs. And they've got meaning. And they have visions and dreams for their lives. Mm -hmm. And they're probably awesome. Yeah. We act like... I don't because I'm not really – I love meeting new people yeah. and I, I'm a whole different <laughs> animal when it yeah. comes to that. But, but a lot of – my wife is very introverted and sometimes it's like, well, I don't – what's going to happen? I'm like, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. They're not going to do anything terrible to you. The worst that can happen is they ignore you and think you're a freak and who the hell cares? Right. Nobody – like don't care about that. Mm-hmm. But step out. Step out of your comfort zone. I try to do something that step that makes me step out of my comfort zone every day. Wow. Whether it is – it could be anything. It could be walking up. I give hugs to strangers. Oh, that's amazing. Um, because it, it makes me feel weird for a second. But it <laughs> yeah. always, always, 99.9999% of the time, it turns out fine. Yeah. They're, they might need that hug. They might need that. Like you said, I always try to, you know, if it's somebody brand new especially, point out something mm-hmm. that if I've never met them before and it's a new meeting or we're going to hang out somewhere, I try to say what you said. Like pick out something on their, whether it's their shoes or their dress or their shirt or their pants or their mm-hmm. hair, just compliment them on it. Yeah. Their glasses. I really like your glasses. Where did you get them from? Instantly, the guard goes down at least one level. Yeah. Right? We we just put a more human element here. Oh, I have glasses on. You like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess what I loved about what you shared is that it's not magical. It's not unattainable. It's pretty simple everyday stuff mm-hmm. that gets us going. Yeah. It gets our engines revving yeah. and new opportunities are going to pop up everywhere mm-hmm. because of that. Yeah. You mentioned your neighborhood. Yeah. You mentioned your neighbors. <laughs> They're a little wacky. <laughs> Talk to me about that because I think I think I'm going to have something to say after this, but I want to hear you. What did you mean by that? Well, wacky is probably a harsh term because well, no, we're just, all a little I, wacky. Like, yeah, no, totally. But just, yeah. Um, Give me some context for that statement because I, I, I think I want to, it's going to help me point something out yeah. here. For example, I have this neighbor who, he's just the kindest person, and he has a pet goat named Zoe. And he dresses it in, like, bonnets and hats and um, dresses. And, you know, one day she might look like a rapper, and one day she might look like Dolly Parton. It's 
it's wacky, but it's amazing. Yeah. And he walks her around the neighborhood. And a developer came into the neighborhood, Woodbine, and wanted to take her away and send animal control because he thought it brought the value down. And um, this is when my petition skills came into the mix. There you go. <laughs> Clueless. Clueless. Came. Thank you, Alicia Silverstone. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I started this petition to save Zoe, and hundreds of people um, signed it. The news, the NPR, like all these people got involved, and we saved Zoe from Nashville Animal Control and issued the first ever goat permit in Nashville. I love everything about this story, by the way. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. And I'm friends with him now. And, like, he now— So you didn't know him before? I didn't know him before, except just saying hi to yeah. Zoe and, like, look at this amazing creature walking down right. my street. <laughs> he, he walks Zoe? He walks That's her. That's amazing. Yeah. I need a goat. Yes, Keep going. You Sorry. you do. Um, so that is one example of, like, you know, getting to know my neighbor. <laughs> I love that story. I guess what I was maybe— fishing for was, Mm -hmm. especially in our homes. This is something that I talk about a lot. My family and I are, well, we've been kind of vagabonding for 18 months, but when we did have a home, Mm -hmm. in our last two homes in Minneapolis and Tacoma, we we were known very quickly as the party people and the people that had kind of an open door policy for the most part. We see our homes uh, in our neighborhoods and kind of as like our little kingdom, Mm -hmm. right? We try to sanitize and we try to make it you know, I don't want to hear noise over there. I don't mm-hmm. want pet goats. You know, I don't want all these things. And we try to make it our little – and that's just not – that is an, the the antithesis to, I think, what should happen in homes, the hospitality that yeah. should be there, the welcoming that should be there so that if your neighbor wants a pet goat, he can have a pet goat. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and – Again, I didn't even know where that was going to go, but you you gave a damn about your neighbor and his goat. If you wouldn't have done that, I'm pretty sure this developer that was trying to get more money out of the area yeah. would have won. Been he would so have won. Tragic. He would have won. And you gave a damn about it and <laughs> saved Zoe. What? Like that's a very <laughs> yeah. simple, practical way of looking out for others' needs. Yeah. And then it's... seeing how I can play a part in that. Well. They bring me like so much joy. So I've, well, I've yeah, that's, yeah. That's the <laughs> that's the that's the cool thing. Yeah, we become happy, very fulfilled. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing to help people. That's yeah, it's a good thing everyone. to give a damn, and it's way more profitable than watching five hours of TV every day, mm-hmm. which is the average. Wow. Five hours and is forty really? minutes is the average Americans' uh, oh my gosh. visual visual entertainment intake per day. That's like wow. now. Maybe it's less or more. I don't know, but that's what it is now. Five hours and 40 minutes of visual entertainment every day. I was talking with my Lyft driver last night. He wanted to know what I was doing in town. I've been thinking a lot about that number because I got that number together for my TEDx talk. You and I could start a business every single day in five hours and 40 minutes. Every day. Web web domain. I could have you build the website. We could register with the state, get the social media up and going. Create a logo in five hours and 40 minutes every single day. Wow. Every day we can start a business with – or start a project. Yeah. Forget business. Start a project, a new mom bag project, a new immigrant how – how long did it take you really to build that immigrant want to run website? Two hours. Two hours. So you could build two of those mm-hmm. projects that is now helping these immigrant-run eateries get more business. Mm-hmm. And you're helping Nashvillians see the value of like frequenting their – you know, their, their eateries, their restaurants. 
Um, anyway, I think yeah. you're great. Thank you. I think you're I, great too. <laughs> I think I love. I really love this talk because of the fact that you are. A lot of what we do is dictated by money and yeah. by, is this worth it from mm-hmm. a time perspective, from a financial perspective, and you've kind of said f that. Yeah. Like I need to do what's right, mm-hmm. and you're you're doing that. So, Thank what does you. the future hold for you? Like, what do you dream? So you you have these few projects going on. Mm-hmm. I've got what's, like ten in my yeah. mind. <laughs> but what's the what do you want to do with that? Do you do you envision yourself just keep doing this, like having kind of a nine to five, and then doing these projects on the side, or what's what's the future? Well, I would love to take the mom bag and expand it into more than just welcome bags. I would love to create um, partnerships between a new American and a an American. Sort of like a mentorship. Well, I like how you said that. A new American and an American. <laughs> yeah. I really do. Okay, keep going. Um, I would love to create like partnerships between people. So more of like a personal connection past the mom bag. That that's a dream for it. I would love for it to expand into other cities. I would love for other people to get involved in this and help me dream what this could be because I know that my strengths only go so far. So yeah. if you hear this and <laughs> you want to get involved, please let me know because I would love to make this bigger and um, expand it. Well, we have – this is not a huge, huge podcast. It's growing um, slowly but surely. But there are listeners in, well, every state and like 30 countries around the world. Wow. So listen up, people. <laughs> like go to where. Where can they find out how to expand this and how to participate? Okay. Go on Facebook and look up the mom bag. Okay. There's a page. Start there. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, so you want the mom bag to grow. Is that mm-hmm. Would that be – if that took over as like your main contribution, mm-hmm. that would be fine with you. That's That'd what it sounds dream. like. Yeah. Yeah, that would be the dream. Yeah. Well, we will help you <laughs> get there. <laughs> Thank we will help, you. We will help this thing grow. Before I get to the last question, mm-hmm. which is my favorite question, <laughs> I want to take a – I know I've been kind of doing it throughout, but I want to take a focused second to honor you. Oh, gosh. Um, I know, right? Lots of pressure. <laughs> Just sit there and take it. Thank you. No, um, I'm really grateful for the ways that you are intentionally giving a damn about a very vulnerable group of people, people that you described very rightly as being punching bags for a lot of people, people that don't have a voice. They don't know what the hell's going on. They're new to here, and they're most of the time, if they made it here, they made it here after years of vetting. They spent years mm-hmm. in a refugee camp. They, um, they're scared. Yeah. Right? And then they become a punching bag for a huge portion of Americans. Mm-hmm. So I, wanna, I want to honor you for the work that you're doing, Thank both you. doing your day job really well, right? <laughs> but then adding on top of that these projects that are tangibly – you probably don't have a good grasp on – the effects that this is happening. You know, I I thought it was actually really cool that when I asked you for stories, you didn't have them in a weird way because, like, you're collecting these bags and then passing them off to somebody else to do the work of handing them out. Mm. You're not even getting to see. Like, that, to me, is even cooler. (laughs) That, like, because part of it is getting the gratifying sense of, like, handing it off, and you're saying, I don't even care about that. Mm. That's what it seems like is you're saying, I don't need to get these out there. We need to make them and then hand them to the powers that be to, like, get them out right so thank you yeah i just want to honor you for that and keep (laughs) keep going and let us know how we can uh help you accomplish your wildest dreams (laughs) thank you that's that's amazing last question it's a hypothetical one okay someday you're going to die Mm -hmm. that's a reality for all of us 
And for some odd reason, I'm giving your eulogy. Oh, wow. All of your family, your friends, refugees, immigrants, people that you've served and loved uh, throughout the years, they're all there to, like, honor your life, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm giving you a eulogy. What do you hope that I will say on that day? Hmm. What do you hope that is communicated to the people there? I would hope that you would say she was nervous, but she did it. <laughs> she loved people anyway, even if it was uncomfortable. I think you just spoke to all the eyes out there, right? All the introverts in the, in the, mm-hmm. the like, or just people that get nervous around about stepping out. Mm-hmm. All of us get that, right? All of us are like that, but some more than others. And I think you just spoke to a lot of people. I know you spoke to my wife. Mm-hmm. I know you spoke to my brother, Dan, who is a huge damn giver. Yeah. But he's just introverted, and it's hard to take those steps, right? Um, sorry, Dan, I just called you out. But <laughs> but he's an amazing dude that, like, yeah. really wants to impact the world, right? Always thinking about ways to impact. But it's hard to do the extra step. So you just spoke to a lot of people by saying she was nervous, and she gave a damn anyway. Mm. Like she gave anyway. So that would be – I think that would be a really worthwhile legacy to have. I Thank hope you. that that's what's said. Yeah, <laughs> me too. If people enjoy this conversation, which I know they will, and they want to find out more about what you're doing and how they can get involved, what's yeah. the best place or places they should go and follow you or follow the projects? Yeah. Um, well, you can go to my website, Beth Matthews, Matthews with one T, dot com. On Instagram, at Beth Matthews, I uh, post a lot of – encounters that I have with immigrants in Nashville and post about ways to get involved quite frequently there. So those would be the good spots. Okay. Instagram, Beth Matthews, 1T. Yeah. Web, mm-hmm. BethMatthews.com, yes. 1T. Thank you so much for joining Thank me you. today. We'll do it again sometime. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining Beth and me for our conversation. I hope you are as excited about what you heard as I am and was when we had the conversation a few weeks ago. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. I hope you will take what you've heard and apply that to your life. I know what you've heard will apply to so many more because here's Beth, full-time job, quote-unquote a normal life, and she's chosen to go above and beyond to serve people that need so much love and care and attention. And that's a lot of people listening that don't you know, run a nonprofit or this company full-time. And so I know that many of you will identify with what's going on. Go follow Beth at Beth Matthews on Instagram. Remember, that's as she shared in the podcast. It's 1T in Matthews, B-E-T-H-M-A-T-H-E-W-S. And also her website, BethMatthews.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you will spend some time this week considering how you can continue to take things out of your lives that are distracting you and keeping you from giving more dams about more people. Love you so much. Talk to you soon. Bye.